And we are live. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> oh, right then. If uh, Apologies for the like 20 second or so delay. Was it that long? I'll just check the time. Oh, I might have done it quicker. Uh, I can't put out the actual Lords, like, Lords of Pain link for this show until I've gone live. So normally it takes like the first 20 seconds for us to theme plays to kind of just get the uh, actual thing on lordsofpain.net and to get it out of there. Let me just... Do one more to actually tweet that this is live. There we go. Uh, right then. <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> you can tell by my tone. Um, like it feels like calm before the storm. Listen to like my kind of attitude at the moment. So, like ten minutes ago, I was talking to uh, Lords of Pain columnist uh, Sam. Uh, he's one of the many. He put out a column this week. Like. It couldn't be any more within time. So as as in, it's it's already had an amazing response. A column entitled "Why I Can No Longer Watch WWE" or something to that one. I want to get the name right because it's a very very good column. It's called "Oh Yeah Why I Can No Lo- I Got It Right <laughs> Why I Can No Longer Watch uh, the WWE." If you want to know my kind of feelings to like what I'm kind of <laughs> what I'm feeling right now, uh, read his column. Like just because it's more to do with Brock Lesnar and what happened on Friday Night Smackdown with Cain Velasquez, but it's still, yeah, it's still like the overtones of it. I feel very, very relevant now. So like ten minutes ago, I was talking to Sir Sam, just messaging him on Twitter. He lives in Australia, so he's just woken up compared to me, where oh no, he like he's in the middle of the day compared to me, where it's like half past three in the morning, but. Yeah, so I was just talking to him because he's not he's not watched the show, but he he is one of the many writers and podcasters here at Lots of Pain who have written many, many words on WWE and no longer watch. And you can just like it gives a it's like an amazing kind of site for here on Laws of Pain. They're just like listing the names of Doc, Plan, Mav, Mazza, Chris Super Chris, Tito. The amount of people who right here on Laws of Pain, who have written for Laws of Pain for years and can now no longer watch the products that they loved. Like, the WWE is... It's pushed them away. Me, uh, in 2018 and 2019, I didn't watch all summer. 2018, it was the Bobby Lashley and Lana thing that put... The Bobby Lashley Lana. The... <laughs> try that again. Bobby Lashley sisters thing that pushed me away. This year, it was the uh, shake-up which pushed me away. Uh, I didn't watch for months, so I've come back and I've spent the last month kind of building a, a building a new brand on Laws of Pain, the Imps Wrestling Adventures, with the point of I'd watch Raw, NXT, AEW, SmackDown, and do a massive column on the Saturday, just put it all together, like 4,000 words, watching watching all the shows. And watching that ending, it was like close to feeling like crying, <laughs> just because um, it was like, ugh, like, it felt. I was thinking, like, it feels like. Is it like a month of work? Me, me prep. I spent a whole month prepping, getting that column organised, the the with everything and the format of the column and everything. It's just like, it felt like in that moment, it was like it was all a waste of time, because I was watching that, thinking, I'm next on that list. Like that was my breaking point. That was my moment. Doc had last year, is in this that main event. It was, fuck them. Like, why am I watching this? Just, there, is, there are more options out there. And the crowd, so I will say, uh, Jim Sterling, a normally video game cricket critic, put out a perfect tweet about this. 
where he's just saying, oh, where could bloody find the tweet? Here we go. Uh, whatever their intention, with whatever the fuck that was, when one of your most hyped matches in years ends in AEW chance, there is no way you did it right. So, like, I 100% agree with that. I see what they were trying to do. Make Bray Wyatt that kind of mental, like, almost invincible character. But it didn't work. Partway through the match, there came a point where it's just... It's the Royal Rumble moment where you realise who the winner's going to be. And the crowd either gets behind that, or... Well, what happened recently in this decade with Batista and... The other one. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It's one where Daniel Bryan got eliminated early. Unless that was... No, it was 2015. I can't remember who won that one. But, yeah, so... And then the booze start sinking as people get that feeling like, ah, shit. <laughs> that thing is like, they're not going to do this thing, are they? And the crowd started booing Seth Rollins every time he started delivering moves or every time he got a string off offence. And it reached that point in the match where he was hitting move after move after move. And the story they were going for was The Fiend is Invincible. And after everything, even though Seth Rollins went to the darkest place he's been in WWE, he still... The Fiend still attacked him afterwards and left him bloody on the side of the ring and he was the one standing tall at the end of the night. However, if there was ever a time to call an audible, listening to (laughs) that crowd and how much they'd gotten behind The Fiend then this was that time to call an audible. Like, this was it. <laughs> and they didn't do it. Well, obviously they didn't do it. It's WWE. I'm not expecting them to call an audible. That's a bit kind of out there. Oh, <laughs> I've just seen a, a tweet from Sir Sammy tweeting that this show is live. Wishing me good luck on this one. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. Like, seriously, ten minutes before I was set to go live, I was lost for words. Like... I had nothing. I had no idea what I was going to say. It's just... I, I can't believe they were that stupid. Like, it, it was... Like, if they have to go... If they put themselves into a corner, and uh, I've been asked to give a shout-out to Collins Forum, a writer of Pennycock Mills, who... Uh, Collins Forum is like the NXT for like the con writers here on Laws of Pain. Also awesome forum and loads of stuff gets taught. And, yeah, anyway. Anyway, so... He predicted that WWE had pushed themselves into a corner and they're going to have to get creative to try and come up with something. This <laughs> wasn't what I would have had in mind <laughs> for that kind of thing. It's just like, ugh, I can't. Yeah, uh, uh. But before I properly go into it a bit more, I know I've just had seven minutes or so. Um, first off, I am Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, the columnist of Imp's Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net, uh, and I'm also the guy who is live every Thursday with Imp's LOP Radio Adventures. Uh, this week I had Ray Cash from uh, Chairshot Radio talking about AW versus WWE stuff. Uh, but also there is a chat function on the player here on Spreaker, so if you click the speech bubble, you can just send me a direct message. So basically. Just use that to vent. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> just even if you don't want me to read it, just shout it into the ether, kind of thing. Because it's like Twitter without the characters. <laughs> it's just. Uh, essentially, I'm going to use this show to vent and get it all off. Because it's it's. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the tweet I did like and me as I was part way into the match, I hadn't finished it, but I did put because I was a bit behind other people. Because I, I had to pause 
it happens sometimes. You can't. <laughs> you have to pause it, whatever. But they came up. I was just like, I just tweeted like, this is awful. It's just awful. I, I, I do actually want to find the exact words that I used, so I'm quoting myself correctly. Uh, yeah, generally lost for words. Awful, awful. Like I can't believe they were this stupid. But yeah, the point. Pennycott Mills was saying that they've put themselves into a corner. It's just if they if this is the corner they've been in. Just don't book it. <laughs> it's a corner they can easily get out of weeks in advance. If you don't want Seth Rollins to lose the championship and you don't want The Fiend to lose momentum and look weak, don't book the match. <laughs> it's that simple. It really is. And because they set it up with, like, oh, this will be a big, exciting match, it was like, yeah, it is a cool, it was an amazing angle to end Clash of Champions on, and the television building up for this has been amazing. It felt like they were kind of prepping and priming us for Raw slowly becoming the Fiend's world. Because I've always referred to it in columns as the Silent Hill of the theme, where, because that's a, a thing from video games, I'm not really sure uh, how it translates to, like, my entire audience that reads my columns and listens to me. But yeah, Silent Hill is essentially like a limbo, like a, a world between worlds. Like It's like our world, but it's not quite. Um, so I've, I've, there is something like it in the Bible, but I can't remember what it's called right now. <laughs> but yeah, essentially a limbo, the Silent Hill of the Fiend. And I loved, just to, like, in terms of positives, I loved the red lighting. The entrance for the Fiend still continues to be amazing. So why... (laughs) The Fiend is all about aura and presentation. When he walks down to that ring, it was amazing. Then they they start... I had a bit of an issue of... He started talking. Can't remember the main... Can't can't take his name, but he did start talking. Then, I was like, well, maybe he says one thing. Yes, maybe he says one thing. And maybe gets told to shut up by the people like behind the scenes. But then, no, it was like they were being told by those people behind the scenes to talk, and <laughs> you could hear that the Vic Joseph—that's his name—Vic Joseph was getting like more lies in his ear as Henry King, so they were continuing to talk. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> why are you talking over this? This entrance is all about the awe and the presentation, and you're talking all over it. Like compare the SummerSlam entrance to this entrance, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. One, you get invested, because it's all about like um, watching it as a viewer. That's why you've got the commentators to kind of explain the world and things. But, when you are getting invested in the character, when you can't look away and you're taking in every single moment and movement, whenever the commentator talks and tells you to do something, as King was doing, just like where, just where the awesome mass was put there and he zoomed in on it and he went, oh, look at that, kind of thing. That takes you out of it, completely rips you away. In terms of presentation, that's a major con. Like, it's been an issue with WWE for a while, and to be fair, it's one of the things where a lot of wrestling tries to figure it out, especially like the indie scene where they're not 100% sure when to talk all the time. <laughs> but in terms of an entrance like that, never just don't talk over an entrance like that, especially when you know that's really important. And they killed it at Hell in Cell. Not Hell in Cell, they killed it at SummerSlam. It was, it was perfect, that kind of thing. And the way they presented him afterwards, whenever he's done an attack, they've not really talked over it. Um, they've done a really good job of that. But here, at Hell in a Cell, that was my first gripe. However, the match started, the lights were in red. I was like, yes, this is like the Silent Hill of the Fiend, where it's like our world, but not quite. I am all down for this. Um, my first thought was, can the people live see it? 
really well, or is it just like because of um, the camera? Because um, the lighting in cameras does not reflect what it's like live, so or because you can't see it amazingly well on the camera doesn't mean they can't see it. So, or vice versa as well. It can be the other way around. Like if you watch a sport like tennis, where you can see the ball clearly, but uh, the people there live are starting to struggle because the lights are going down. That's just that's just how lights entering cameras works, and I don't need to go into more than that because <laughs> it's just not important <laughs> what I'm meant to be actually talking about. Uh. So yeah, so that was I decided just to walk through the match to kind of get across my point in detail because also praising the good parts. Uh, the beginning of the match also fantastic. I, I even enjoyed the parts where Seth Rollins was like. He was, there's a reason I'm Universal Champion, I'm fighting back, damn it. And I, I like that, that was great. And that was after The Fiend had put in some damage, then Seth Rollins started fighting back. That was, that was really, really good. Then he started elevating how he was fighting back, which again was also really, really good. Uh, and The Fiend, when, when he snatched back momentum, whenever he did, you were like, oh shit, Seth Rollins is in trouble. Like, every moment of The Fiend, like, Seth Rollins was always fighting back momentum, and whenever he got on top, he was like, he was desperate to keep it, doing whatever he could, and The Fiend was just in control. Whenever he had the momentum, he was at his own pace, he was taking his time getting his weapons, he was taunting Seth, in a way, <laughs> with, the, with the pace of which he was working, uh, and I really, really liked that. Then came the turning point, where Seth Rollins got the momentum, and as I was saying, like, desperate to keep the momentum, started hitting bigger and bigger moves. Uh, he did the fog splash with the table where, again, at this point, the match is still fine. In a way, like, this is not how I would have done it, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Like, personally, I would have had the Fiend just go mental, in a way. <laughs> just, I wouldn't have booked this match like this at all. <laughs> just, if you've booked this match, you're making the Fiend champion because you spent months building him. It's just, that's just it. That's the end of it. Like, if you don't want that, then don't book the match. You've always, you've made the error. You kind of have to go through with it at that point because you got the fans invested. And I'll, I'll get to the investment issue I've got of WWE in a second. But I say in a second like after I've gone <laughs> to go through the match. But yeah, when Seth Rollins jumped through the table, still enjoying the match, I think you're, you're waiting for the fiend to uh, kick out and to kind of snatch back that momentum again. Uh, which, if I'm right in terms of order, I, I can't remember when he got out the mallet. For that, that kind of felt like the turning point where. He, the Fiend gets out the mallet and you feel like he's going to do some real danger and they decided to use that as the trigger for Seth Rollins to, like, in his desperation to put away the monster, just then he got into the ring and was like, stomp, 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 I'm not exaggerating <laughs> stomp, 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 stomp uh, and like The Fiend was kicking out every time he went for the cover at one which is quite important and he just couldn't believe it eventually Seth Rollins was just I can't put him away. So he gets a steel chair. By the way, at this point when he's doing the stomps, the whole arena is booing. I say the whole arena. That Obviously, that's not true. That's not how percentages and variables work for doing people. But the majority of the arena was booing. Loudly. This wasn't like one or two people. Uh, I'm talking like 75 to 80% of that arena. So the majority of fans in attendance were excited to see The Fiend essentially be solidified as a star. That's, that's what this was. This was the all of the work over the, over the course of the summer, all of the work coming into fruition, and this is the moment you make The Fiend a star. And they botched it. 
they mucked it. I'm speaking in PG terms because I've already sworn enough. <laughs> I'm probably going to swear a bit more. But yeah. So, the, the, so during the whole course of the stomps, the crowd were booing and they were kind of getting a bit more louder. It entered the Royal Rumble zone of just that feeling of he's going to win here. And the crowd were set against it. Like, <laughs> to a point. Like, extremely set against it. And when it looked like Seth was properly getting the win, because he did the uh, straight chair shot to the head, that was the moment where it, it was kind of like, oh, I get what they're doing now, in a way. It, But it feels like what the aura of the Fiend will have gone, because Seth Rollins essentially squashed the bug, even if he didn't win. So why am I scared by the bug anymore? They're going to have to spend weeks fixing it, and I don't think it'll ever be the same. And you can't blame anyone else but themselves. They are the reason AEW got some free promotion tonight. They gave them momentum and AEW had to do nothing. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, I, se- I sent a message to Sir Sam saying, FWWE, just... Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And that's kind of why I was like... I felt like crying in that instant. It's just like my past month of work to a point of, why would I watch this product? When this is my prime example of what I've talked about in uh, in other forms, especially in column, just the, my prime example of watching WWE, my rule, which I have broken with The Fiend because I felt it had been booked so well for such a long time, I felt like I could actually start to get invested in characters because they were proving they could do it with The Fiend. But... When you watch WWE, it's like you get punished for getting invested. If you get invested in anybody, there will be this point that was tonight with that character where you are essentially told, what do you mean you care about this character? You shouldn't care about this. This person's stupid and then move on to the next thing. I guess, what, Kofi Kingston, I'm not expecting to be like that long term because I am expecting something to happen either post-draft or at least this week, kind of just to keep him at a certain level without him just falling straight back down to tag teams kind of world but it felt like he had an amazing moment at Wrestlemania then the SummerSlam did an amazing job as, uh, even though he didn't have many future storylines to sink his teeth into and the world around him had no consistency he himself was booked as a really strong champion they got him over as that fighting champion and he represented that belt really really well he was the third wheel pushed to the side for Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar because it's Saudi time therefore he sorry Kofi off he pop. So it's <laughs> that whole thing of they had spent months building up Kofi Kingston only for him to be pushed aside and not meant to care about him. You're meant to care about these MMA lads. It's just, that's, that's a slight, that's a smaller example, but The Fiend is just what happened tonight perfectly encapsulate all of those names that I listed at the start who were like big names here on Laws of Pain. Um, I, this is the closest I've ever come to adding myself to that list. Because even though... This year, I didn't watch all summer, even though 2018, I didn't watch all summer. I planned to come back for SummerSlam. I took it as a break, and I was gonna. And I always, I'm lucky that I've had the G1 Climax as like a massive cleanser. Uh, as as I, I do columns on it as well, I get really invested in G1 Climax. And then after that, you kind of got the G1 Climax Blues, and that's the perfect time I found for me to get back into WWE because I'm still I'm craving wrestling. I've got addicted to it, and it's gone forever. And then it's a perfect time to jump back into WWE. It's a stark contrast in terms of how the shows are booked and operated and everything. But like, it's kind of nice to have it back and it's a nice little introduction. 
but then this happens <laughs> and this is the closest I've come like the absolute breaking point of this in terms of the WWE are now in a position where they have got to stop the bullshit as in they are there is a legitimate competition in AEW if fans don't like WWE they now have somewhere to go they haven't had that for about 20 years maybe 18, 19 but it's been a long time they've had a, like a legit good quality competition to jump to AEW looks like they're going to be that and you heard that with the loud chants in the arena tonight as, as in they made their voices loud and clear but I can see what they were trying to do with making The Fiend invincible in a way because Seth Rollins elevated and elevated and elevated and then after hitting him directly over the head with a like, unprotected shot to the head for Bray Wyatt then he did another one with the chair laying on top and then he got a ladder with the top of it just slammed it into the head kick out at two then he got out the sledgehammer the referee pleaded to him like you don't have to kill this man like you don't, you're like Seth Rollins going to the darkest place he's ever been in WWE and the referee's pleading with him not to do it. And then he does it. The referee calls for a disqualification. Inside Hell in a Cell. And it kind of establishes that DQs can happen in Hell in a Cell. And when I say establish it, this is the second year in a row they've done that. <laughs> so just, what is the point of Hell in a Cell? If two years in a row, your main event in Hell in a Cell ends in a DQ. It's like, like what? <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. In terms of like the law building for the cell, like who, who cares? Who who should really care about the rules of the cell if you can just get DQ'd? Like seriously, who cares? <laughs> absolute, oh, absolute, oh, yeah. I am seeing your messages coming through. I just kind of want to get my kind of vent out the way uh, everyone do use the chat just to vent <laughs> you'll feel better for it getting it out of your system <laughs> oh, well, I need to take an ad break soon I've waffled for 20, like 25 minutes just on this one match and I've not even got my words across because as I was saying like, in the, those 10 minutes counting down to the show I was lost for words and I had no idea what I was going to say it's just I can't believe they did this uh, for me, the worst part about it is the investment. So this is where, really, the key part for me comes with the AEW thing. In terms of the fans who watch this product every single week or they tune in, they get invested in the characters, this is what I'm talking about by WWE punishes you. So my rule when I've come back to WWE is don't get invested. And like, I, in terms of like my, like my, politi- my political beliefs, I'm the person who takes the piss out of everyone and then goes, oh shit, i got to vote for one of them. I don't really have <laughs> a side that I definitely vote for. Uh, so, and over here in the UK, the, like, the sides aren't, the part, it's it's different over here where the party really does matter and what their core values are really does matter. It's less of a popularity contest like it is in the States in a way in terms of your who is elected. Over here, it really is important who, uh, what the party's policies are in that way. And none of them are really like far right or far left there. Maybe leaning a certain direction, but yeah. So point being, I can take the piss out of everyone, and uh, so I can use that in wrestling in a way where I don't get super invested in any of them, but I can take the piss out of them. I can enjoy watching them, have a good time. But it happens; it will sink through. Like a politician will say something, and it will just get it will get you. <laughs> it just it will just make you start thinking or something. 
whilst Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, he that character got you thinking, got you invested. You really started to care. They built him up over months with the slowly getting across the character. Like, I don't know if it's a tweak or a change, but I really like the idea that the Firefly Funhouse was in his mind and it was like a safe place. It's like a way that he was coping with the, or like the traumatic events of his life. And But the Fiend is actually what he has become and what he is. Not what it's kind of become where he's a split personality, where he where both of those are the same. It makes for great news appearances and like when he was uh, on American TV doing the weather and everything. Like, it makes for great appearances on there, <laughs> but it's still... Yeah... I preferred it when it was kind of like it, like in his mind, but in reality he's he's broken, he's gone, he's lost, he's this monster. And in his mind he's trying to kind of cope with that. I loved that idea, but it's kind of morphed away from that back to, you no, know, he's got a dual personality and he's like a supernatural monster again. That's the, that's like the least of the issues. <laughs> the issue really for me is the amount of time invested, absolutely months building him up, and then, finally, he starts to integrate with the roster. He has an uh, amazing establishing match with Finn Balor. Makes him feel like a huge deal. Then he has his match. With, and and in this, at that point, that's when the Fiend's merchandise skyrockets. Suddenly, dollar signs, this man's getting a push. And it happens immediately. It isn't like, they don't continue a slow build. He immediately goes for Seth Rollins. Uh, obviously, they've, with the weeks building up, the format is good enough that he can explain all of his motivations in a cryptic enough way that it doesn't feel like you're just being fed exposition. And then The Fiend can attack to deliver the violent message. It's a dynamic that really works. And they built up perf- really, really well to this pay-per-view. The, at, like, the ending to Raw was weird, but that's the stuff outside of The Fiend storyline that kind of was just there. Like, they'd the, be... The Team Hogan, Team Flair stuff, which was just there, and Bobby Lashley, Lana, that was there. But the key point was The Fiend once again attacked Seth Rollins. And I'm fine with that. The same on SmackDown with The Fiend attacking once again. It was a great moment. But my kind of point as well is that it was also short. And I, I was just, my thinking was this Hell in a Cell match should have been short. as it Compared to other Cell matches, or compared to what this was, so in it had the dramatic kind of uh, building of Seth Rollins going more and more mental on The Fiend, doing everything he could to put him down. But the key thing WWE seem to have completely forgot here is they've been building The Fiend up for months and they've done a really good job of it. And he's a really complex character, there's loads of layers to him, the fans have got really into this character. The thing WWE seem to have forgotten with this, the booking of this match is the fans, the viewers, the live crowd have got invested in this character and they, they're excited to see more of The Fiend. They want to see The Fiend. They want to see him in a dominant position. He is a character that's gotten over to an amazing degree. They want to see The Fiend. He is the WWE's most interesting character for quite a long time and the fans are going crazy for him. So mistake number one, he doesn't win. And it's just like a complete blindness to what they've done for a company that likes to say that they listen to the fans and they yeah they listen to the fans they're the, they're storytellers and all of that stuff uh, like whenever they sit whenever they lean to the sports entertainment or storytelling stuff i find it difficult to not see you going you are kind of just leaning into that to avoid the tax stuff <laughs> is it because in certain states wrestling gets taxed to avoid that you're not wrestling your sports entertainment and they've lent into sports entertainment to actually give it meaning and actually make it a thing related to the product. They've done a really good job of that. 
but that doesn't mean that I still don't get that feeling <laughs> as if this is not a genuine thing. This is a more PR thing. I get across like that. But then their actions kind of contradict all of that PR talk. Like this proved that they don't listen. And when I say they don't listen, they don't even realise the story they've told. They don't even realise the investment they've created. Yes, they may go continue with The Fiend, but after this, he won't be the same again. Because even if he finished the night on top, he just lay there taking a beating from Seth Rollins. In what world does that create a dominant and scary monster character that should be feared if, yeah, you may not uh, kill him off, but you can ground him pretty easily (laughs) and keep him down as well. You just have to knock him down with some force and continue doing it, but you can do it. (laughs) It's just like, how is The Fiend meant to be this scary character anymore? He's not, is the answer. As I said earlier, the bug got squashed, so why am I scared? Why would I ever be scared about this bug anymore? I wouldn't be, is <laughs> the answer. They've ruined it, it's broken, it's gone. So, yeah. Uh, right. I think I probably should, before I go to Adbury, I'll read through some of the comments that have come through because there's quite a few. So, first off, uh, Good luck with the show, Imp. Vent away. I'm here for it. Thank you, Kath. <laughs> I feel like... I still don't feel like I've got it out of my system. Like, I need to column this. But I... My column is, like, 4,000 words as it is at the end of the week. I, I don't think I'm maybe the person to do it, but... We'll wait and see if I can get this out. I need to talk about the rest of the show. <laughs> it's 4am over here. Uh, this is exactly what they did with Smackdown. So many good things undone by an absolutely terrible ending... Uh, that's uh, Sir Sam has sent me that one. If you read his column again. It's like important, not important. His column gets across everything I want to say. Uh, Do I think the Fiend could be awesome when facing heels? Kind of like the Undertaker, he is the ultimate karmic justice. Then he doesn't need to be champ, a position he possibly shouldn't be in. Yeah, he could actually. But uh, it comes to that same point with uh, what uh, Penny Cook Mills was saying down in the comments forum and what has kind of been made here. The issue is they booked this match, and yeah, I can totally see him being that kind of character, but the issue is he's been in this match. So, <laughs> like, they, they've they ruined that by putting him in a championship match, and now they have to cope with it. So, yeah. He, he can be that character, he can go to that character, but it, from after tonight, it won't ever be the same. The fan investment won't ever be the same. They can, because WWE are really, really good, or they've become really good at correcting mistakes and uh, kind of fixing the course and setting it down on a much more interesting path. See Rowan, for a kind of example like that, in that bollock storyline. But they're really good at kind of fixing the mistakes and guiding it down a better path. However, that's the constant loop they're in. They'll do something bullshit silly, and then they'll do an amazing job the next week correcting it. But then they'll immediately do something stupid again, and then they have to correct that. Rinse and repeat, and that's the world they're in. So I feel like whenever it happens, I have to praise them for going down a much better route and correcting things and doing a really good job. But then I have to lay into them for consistently doing bullshit like this. Like, praise for the build. The build was perfect, but they fucked it up. (laughs) There's no other way I can say that. Uh, That ending, it had me speechless for all the wrong reasons. The feeling was a Royal Rumble feeling. The crowd were booing. The crowd were chanting AEW loudly, even with The Fiend's attack. Because they put The Fiend in a championship match. And they 
become invested in this character suddenly like it's the investment shouldn't have been made again <laughs> that's the same with Kofi Kingston it's the same with The Fiend you've had two characters built up over the course of this summer arguably two of the best built up over the course of this summer and both of them within the same week were just broken down and that investment was not worth your time so all I can say to that is the point that I've been saying with WWE is don't get invested when you watch it and because my carry on thing from that is go to AEW if this is what they're going to be like and if you care about getting invested if you care about the more long term storytelling then 100% this is not the company for you and they've t- they've said that again and again and again and they will only go for those like kind of marquee matches or the ones that make like, people outside of wrestling go oh that's an awesome look, tasty looking bout <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying but yeah so the in terms of actual character investment and getting behind the wrestlers, it's like you're being told you're stupid for doing that. And like the phrase I use to describe AEW is they are unashamed to be professional wrestling. And as a wrestling fan, there's no louder message than this past week where I've been told by AEW that they welcome me in as a wrestling fan. By WWE, I've been told to piss off twice for getting invested. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Fans are going to chant for the opposition company. Oh, uh, from Danny Walter, uh, what a joke the WWE continues to make more and more mistakes. I've accidentally just talked about that. <laughs> like, just point by point, accidentally answered your question already. So I apologise for that. <laughs> I probably should have read these first. Uh, Michael McCrary was not an unprotected chair shot, hit the mat, not his head. Yeah, they should. They accidentally. I say accidentally. It was a production stupid where they had the perfect angle where he wouldn't have known, and then they cut to like the wide cam, and you could clearly see where he was going to hit. And then when he watched it, when he then when he did it, you were just like, "Yeah." I mean, he showed the angle where he's going to hit the chair, <laughs> and then he's obviously not going to. He's obviously going to hit it where you've just shown me he's going to hit it. Uh, but yeah, that's a production type of thing. It's what for me. I count those like a in the ring botch. I don't really mind botches in a way. They don't really pull me out of it because it's like, yeah, they're live performers and they're doing this complex dance. Mistakes are going to happen. Yeah, don't really care. It's fine. For me, that's a production guff. Just they shouldn't have cut. And if you notice, when they did cut back, they didn't cut to the shot which showed everything. <laughs> like they did stay on the angle. Same with the ladder shot. They did it again, <laughs> which is quite impressive. Where they had... The, the chair, then they had the ladder, then they had exact. They showed you accidentally exactly where Seth was going to hit it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, well, I mean, I know he's not hit him now, <laughs> so hooray!" Uh, but at least they realised the error and didn't cut back again. Like they didn't count to three and cut like they do on Monday Night Raw. No, they actually held it. They they kept their patience. <laughs> so well done? Question mark. Uh, I stopped watching WWE years ago. I would pop in and out from time to time, but the product is just fluff and no substance. I grew up watching the WWF and WCW, and now that AEW is here, I'm enjoying pro wrestling again. I didn't watch Hell in a Cell, but saw the videos of the angry crowd and how the finish was. It just shows how out of touch Vince is. I'm all elite all the way. I was going to shout all elite, but because he's written it in all capitals. But it is like 10 past 4 in the morning, there are people sleeping in my house. Other people have this thing called work to get to on a Monday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be kind. I won't <laughs> watch out that. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, like, in terms of like, my fandom, in terms of like, the whole, to kind of end on a slightly positive before going to the ad break. Uh, after, after the ad break, I will talk about the rest of the show. 
maybe end on a lighter note, but I've not really got great things to say about the majority of this card. This ending was the one thing everyone in that arena seemed to be staying for, seemed to be excited for, and it again, it told it told them off for getting invested. As in, pointed at them silly. It's like, what did you do that for, you stupid idiots? Like, you're silly for getting invested in these wrestlers. Ugh. Ugh. But anyway, yeah, my fandom... I didn't really start properly watching WWE till the end of 2005. There's a whole story there. People always react whenever I say exactly when. But yeah, that's what, I don't want to get into it because that'll lead on a tangent and reactions which are not needed <laughs> for this. But with, uh, it's with my fandom I started watching in late 2005, which obviously means by then the Attitude Era is gone, WCW and ECW don't exist. When I started watching, I'd never heard of those companies. It wasn't until... I watched One Night Stand 2006, like half a year later, where I first heard of ECW. And then WCW, I think the DVDs started coming out around 2006, 2007, when they realised the audience were there for that kind of thing. Uh, that's when I first really found out about those companies. You reach, you're getting close like a decade after the fact at this point. So I am well after. So I, I can't really... When I go back and I watch the late 90s stuff on the WWE Network, like I can see the world but I can't quite get that feeling of competition that would have been there live so for me this AW versus WWE kind of world that we're entering now this feeling is completely new for me but yes the dirty millennial who <laughs> was too young to have watched the attitude era <laughs> when it was happening but yeah this world is completely new to me and I'm really really excited and really hyped about it as I said um, yes I felt extremely down during the main event of this one, because it was just like, was all the effort getting that Colin Buddy really for anything? Like, why would I watch WWE after this? I'm going to this week, but like right now, I'm very sad. <laughs> just to little it down. But this, this era gets me excited. Two com- like especially on the Wednesdays, we got NXT and AEW, two shows I legitimately want to watch. Both doing their best to put out the best show they can every week. It's like. As a wrestling fan, that is fantastic. That is brilliant. You can't ask for more. So the fact that WWE went with this ending at the end of this week where more eyes are on them than normal, it's like, Jesus Christ. And you punish the fans for getting invested in this character, which has been building slowly over the course of time. So I'm not saying that The Fiend is now now broken forever. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is they're now going to have to once again go into course correction mode, which they're good at, but they shouldn't have to be. Once again, they're in this mess, and after The Fiend's done, you can guarantee there'll be another character in this exact situation, where they've been broken, they'll need refixing, and they'll, they'll fix it somehow. It's, like, it's a continuous cycle. <laughs> As I was saying, this week you were punished for getting invested in Kofi Kingston and The Fiend. Like the two hottest, I guess, new main event, rising main eventers of this year. Both of them just, you're like, yeah, why do you get better than them? And they wonder why they can't create new stars. This was the night to do it, and they didn't. Also, if they're not going to put the fiend over, don't put him in the match. And that's the problem solved. And you can go with the suggestion from Sir Sam earlier of you can build him up a bit like The Undertaker where he is that ultimate karmic justice and it would be really interesting to see him both against faces and heels especially because he's so popular and the wrestling fans are going to cheer for him no matter what because he's such an interesting character so yeah anyway I've got through all of the comments and the chat things I'm going to take a quick ad break 
If you're listening live, you won't hear anything. Just be like a five second pause whilst I have a drink of water. But when I come, but if you're listening uh, to the recorded version, enjoy your geolocated ads. When we return, we'll be talking about the rest of the card. Uh, also, whilst I'm away, if there are any more people listening, you can click on the speech bubble and just vent still. Uh, I feel a lot better <laughs> after getting that out. Uh, still a bit saddened down, but yeah. Anyway, I'll be back in about five seconds or so, so enjoy this five seconds of quiet. I've still not got the stinger for Aftershock or anything off Steve. <laughs> so I've not heard from him since uh, we're talking, building into SummerSlam, I want to say. And Steve, Stephen Bell, the normal host of Aftershock, he was set to do SummerSlam. And then he got called away. And the people before that, he was set to do it as well. And I was set to help him out. And then both of us, me in England, him in Texas, both of us had lightning strikes and storms. And he lost electricity. And I was really close to... To doing it, the sky was flashing. It was that period. It was pretty freaky. <laughs> but the show went ahead and I didn't lose power. I was like, the, the fact that show went out when both of us had lightning strikes on like opposite sides of the world, that's quite remarkable. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Steve, hope your internet gets well soon and hopefully get the time to do all this. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I don't really... I've got to talk about the rest of the show now, and I feel like just ranting about the theme still. Like, if you are, you know, if you are listening live, just do enter the chat. You don't have to be listening live, actually. You can enter the chat whenever, but just vent, get it out. I'll look at them when I've got through the rest of this card, and I can actually see. Right, hell in a cell. The rest of the show, right? <laughs> the ending leaves such a sour note. It's quite difficult to get back into that frame of mind that I was <laughs> where I went way earlier. Because I was like, yeah, this this pay per view is eventually, essentially, it's felt like a lesser pay per view, right? Like I've watched one of the what was it called? Was it like Smackville or something? Where you got like one or two matches announced and then you have a load of fluff in between. But it's essentially a house show, so yeah, who cares? But Hell in Cell felt a lot like that because they'd announced their matches and then. It was just a load of fluff in between. Like, two hours of filler. Which, my God, as I... If I wasn't doing this show, I would have gone to bed. And I may have got that ending spoiled for me. Which would have been a little bit interesting. But, yeah, I... I only continued watching because I knew that I'll be doing this show. So, a lie for all of you people. <laughs> the sacrifices I make, I could... I, but like everything on this card felt the what especially like after the second match, it just felt like two hours of waiting for the main event because that's exa- that's why people were here, and that, again they were so invested. Like the fiend is a draw, and they've ruined that potential. It's insane. I can't. Be- <laughs> I, I, I still can't believe it. I need to move on. I need to watch the rest of the show. But in terms of like a rating of the overall show. There is absolutely zero need to watch this whole show. Zero need to stay up late to watch it. <laughs> so, especially as an Englishman. My recommendation, when I was like writing the rating for this, was just watch the cell matches. And I guess I would still say that. Just watch the cell matches. Because the later one is like quite important to the world. Especially if you spent months getting invested in the Fiend character. You kind of have to know why people don't care anymore. In a way. 
He's still an interesting character. He's still got more depth than anyone else on the roster, but the mystique is gone. He, he will still have some mystique, but it won't be off that level. They've broken him. <laughs> and it was so easy to not break him, and I can't believe they were that stupid. That's the reason my tweet was just me going, awful, awful, awful. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just watch the sale matches, I'd say, in terms of my ranking, and uh, and I guess the women's title, if you care about those, because they did change hand. We've got the Poison Mist out of nowhere. Ah. Uh, in terms of like, the actual bulk of the show, it was like they were determined to make this show four hours. They were going Oprah with those pre-match videos. I was like, video packages for everyone. <laughs> everyone gets video packages. Even Baron Corbin and Chad Gable get a video package. Smackdown on Fox? Oh, you're not even really part of the show, but we'll give you like a five-minute package highlighting the entire show. <laughs> I couldn't believe... I was typing on Twitter, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, how long has this package been going? They've genuinely recapped the entire show. So, so really, it was... The two opening matches were... The crowd were hot for, and they were both really good matches. And then it was filler for two straight hours. It's kind of like... But fans were hyped for that main event, so it was kind of like it was worth it, in a way. Like, when that when The Fiend made his entrance, kind of like, this is the moment we've been waiting for. That's what it felt like when he was making his entrance. As in, I don't care that the past two hours have been mediocre. As soon as he's made his entrance, I was just glued, could not look away, paying full attention... Uh, which guess that's why the ending it hurts even more <laughs> because of the show that came before it and the way it was. Um, yes, it didn't need to, for me. I was looking forward earlier where they had hardly any matches announced, and I was like, you know what? If they had like one match to the middle, kind of, so you got Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan teaming, and then you've got Bailey versus Charlotte, and you put maybe one more match in the middle, uh, then you've kind of got a nice takeovery kind of card. But no, they had to extend it to eight, nine if you watch the pre-show, which I didn't do because I am not mental. As I said, my rule with WWE, don't get invested. Therefore, pre-shows and kickoffs just gone, out you go. <laughs> just, I don't care what's on you, I'm not watching you. Treat it like a Saudi Arabia show. <laughs> just, sorry, treat it like a name redacted show. Crown Jewel, where is it? Crown Jewel <laughs> from Big Stadium or oh, where's the Big Stadium it's Crown Jewel everybody hooray <laughs> but it feels like one of those where it's just uh, I'm not invested not watching so yeah want to know my thoughts on that I've, it's in my column archives I've written thousands of words and proper research and I'm happy to never go back to the death penalty database so <laughs> I'd rather not <laughs> talk about those again uh, but the show kicked off with a bang literally with the, the pyro's back it's so good to have pyro back uh, that's one thing I didn't say about the uh, main event of Seth Rollins and his fire. It's still awesome. <laughs> so it, I, I was watching that on Monday Night Raw thinking, he better have pyro. And then when it went off, it was just like, oh, just, that was everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> the, the, the burn it down is perfect. So he's still, still got that going for him. Also, my, my worry, because it's happened already, is Monday Night Raw will open with uh, Seth Rollins telling his side of the story and how it all how it all last night went down, like recap Rollins as, as I've been calling him. So yeah, is that is he's more fragmented than the Fiend or like Bray Wyatt, like who he was facing, because it's like three different versions of Seth Rollins, and none of them influence the other. Like none of them by themselves are inherently bad, but because they all exist and the others other versions of him don't influence the other. Like, he got attacked by Bray Wyatt at the end of the show. 
And it's kind of like, oh, he's been properly attacked. He must be a little shaken and maybe not his... But no, he's recap Rollins, <laughs> just explaining at the start of the shows if nothing's wrong. It's like, why is he just walking out? What is what is going on? <laughs> uh, WWE have had a lot on their plate. Uh, and they're always like this without the lot on their plate thing. So I will not, there's no benefit of the doubt to give because this is what they're like. Yeah. But yes, the Hen in the Cell, um, they've also had the fancy new set. So they're using that one. It's like, oh my God, the new set. Awesome. I think it was just the one from Fox, but they didn't have the staging with it, so it, it still, yeah, it, it worked because uh, the, the number one thing that Fox seemed to have done immediately is they've given the stage de- depth, and it means so much to have that depth. My voice is going. Mm. Mm. Oh, sorry, I drank that so loud. <laughs> I was just, oh, it's probably going then. I think it's, this is what I'm going to sound like for the rest of the show now. But yeah. Uh, the SmackDown set now has depth, which is like perfect, uh, and that, that means if they, they can just take the staging away and it feels different. Uh, hopefully, they don't do that for every pay per view, but for Hell in a Cell, it worked. Yeah, I uh, it, yeah, I, I like I like the visual of it. I like seeing it without the staging part of it to see what it looks like. It looks really cool. It was like a nice moment seeing that, especially with me where I didn't watch the pre-show, so I saw it first. Explosions, and then you get to see the set with the lights going up crazy. Which is the perfect way to see it. Like the pre-shows kind of ruin that in a way because you know what the staging looks like. But at least the pyro is back. Then we had the first match, the Hell in the Cell match for the Raw Women's Championship between Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. If if you kind of know the result and you're like, well, should I watch any of the show? Was it just awful? I was like, no, watch the first two matches. They're worth it. They were both really really fun. And this one was just amazing spot after amazing spot. I wouldn't say it 100% felt like a brawl once they entered the spot kind of cycle, uh, but the start definitely set that tone and they were uh, they were still going for quite mental spots, so it's likely they were trying to inflict damage upon their opponent, even if they weren't, you know, it wasn't a brawl in that kind of sense, it kind of changed to something else. But it started out as a brawl. But this was indeed a hell of a cell match. I'm proud of that wordplay, shut up. <laughs> uh in the end, Becky Lynch defeated Sasha Banks with an armbar after a Beck exploded off the top rope onto a pile of chairs. Sorry, steel chairs. Um, like, the tone of the match, as I was saying earlier, was just set really damn well after Sasha attacked Becky before the cell was fully down. And we're like, oh, this is different. Quite, sometimes when this happens, this leads to something. So that was awesome. Uh, then Becky Lynch uh, snatched the door chain from the referee before he could chain the door shut wrapped it around her knuckles, and then punched Sasha Banks in the gut multiple times. It's just like, oh, that, that was brilliant. <laughs> just, I really like it where it's something that is always there, and the people who are being creative with the match look around and just like, right, what can we use that is like always there? And obviously somebody noticed, well, the referee locks the door shut with a chain. What if I nick it from him and use that as a weapon before he can shut it? It's like, yes! That's, yes, yes. <laughs> they were so creative with this match. There were so many awesome-looking spots. Like the Meteora onto the ringside upright ladder. Uh, Meteora through a table. Uh, the dropkick off the apron onto Sasha Banks, who was seated on a chair halfway up the cell, uh, held halfway up by the kendo sticks. It's like, <laughs> it's like, that's an awesome spot. The idea was they had two kendo sticks and then dropped, oh, I think... I think Sasha drops Becky Lynch head first onto those kendo sticks, which she'd kind of put in the corner. Then Becky Lynch put a chair there, put another kendo stick to keep the chair there. Then sat Sasha Banks on the chairs. <laughs> then did a drop kick off the uh, term, off the uh, ring apron. It's like, oh yes, that was amazing. That was brilliant. But I can't give this match enough credit. It was fantastic. It was 
like every the slightly the fiend's entrance and just like uh, Seth Rollins' pyro is everything I wanted it to be. It was kind of like the perfect opener, the perfect next stage of this match where the two just went crazy on each other with loads of different spots and things. I was really happy with this. I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have really uh, <laughs> thought of a way of doing it any better because they were so creative with it. They hit that creative spark. So if I'm thinking of like more of creative things to do, if like I was being creative on this, that they themselves were creative and came up with just as awesome spots. So it's not really anything I would replace. Uh, yeah, and, and the ending was a perfect fan as well. I don't know if this is like the end of the Lynch Banks feud. Obviously, the biggest reason we don't know is because we got the draft, so we don't know where anyone's going to be. And it's kind of like they plugged it in quite an interesting way tonight, where they were saying it's not just Raw versus SmackDown; it's now the different channels. It's USA and Fox. They're also competing. And I liked that, in a way. If they actually push it in that kind of direction of, we want these shows to feel different, we want these shows to be genuinely, they want these stars and they're going to push them in a way and these networks are going to fight to have the best WWE show. Yeah, uh, I'm down for that kind of thing. Especially when you're in a world where competition is kind of like the modern feeling and the, uh, what's it called, the wildcard thing just destroyed any sense of universe or world establishing in any way so this draft has been needed and it completely eliminates the wild card thing uh, Shane McMahon's been kicked off hopefully so that's a nice little thing as well yeah so a nice reset is going to happen this next week Raw again will be kind of like it was this week where uh, my subtitle for talking about Raw in my column was just oh yeah Raw happened didn't it <laughs> oh yeah uh, this week will be the same they've got the Tyson Fury stuff so that'll be interesting Tyson Fury with an open mic that, that's not gone well before <laughs> so I don't know how famous he is in America uh, like because over here in the UK he's yes he's in the boxing world but he's a massive name in the boxing world and he's been in the news a lot because he holds some interesting views let's call it like that I won't this isn't a podcast about uh, Tyson Fury and why should you not support Tyson Fury no, no he's got some interesting views but he's also the kind of person who would 100% like thrive in the WWE world uh, he might deliver a better program than anyone else that night <laughs> if he sticks to what he's told <laughs> so that's the next thing don't go off don't go too far off script essentially like, he's the kind of guy you give clip notes to and just let him run with it but then also just make sure he doesn't really veer too far off what you want him to say because that's when he can get himself into trouble and yeah Hopefully that one's not also set for Saudi Arabia because uh, it doesn't matter what the card is, I'm not watching it. And again, if you want to know my reasons why, read my columns, you'll eventually, you'll understand why if you just read what, what like four or five thousand words I've written over the course of the years. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've drifted away. Becky Lynch, Sasso Banks, 100% watch. Even if you don't watch the rest of this show, watch this match. 100%. Seek this out. Amazing match. Uh, two... Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan defeated Eric Rowan and Loop 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 Parper. <laughs> My mouth is dying. Uh, via a Superman punch, running knee, spear combo. Uh, this was a fun match, a damn violent one too. Like physical injuries galore. Uh, pretty sure both Harper and Roman uh, tweaked their knees. Like uh, Harper more at the start, Roman after the spear onto the table. Uh, Bryan had welts and bruises at all at one side of his body. Rowan. Rowan's ginger. <laughs> I don't think he had anything, actually. I think Rowan was fine. Yeah, but... Oh, he wears lots of clothes, he can't see it anyway. But yeah, 
lots of like <laughs> everybody put a lot into this match. They hit them hit each other pay per view style. <laughs> they really did go for each other. Uh, and the tornado uh, tag rules did make it feel uh, crazy. It also created that feeling of you just expecting Daniel Bryan to turn. And it's one of those things where if reason of what I was expecting Daniel Bryan to turn was because it would get a really big pop uh, in the crowd at the night. But actually, when you look at the story and what's happened, it would make zero sense. And if it's meant to be a gotcha moment, it's like, what, ha- how? As in, you convinced him that Eric Rowan wasn't on your side and you got beaten up through a table a few times and that convinced him? Congratulations. <laughs> how did that get him? <laughs> uh, plus, that, that's the thing you see quite often in wrestling and you just laugh about it in a way. It's like, oh, that's stupid. And this feud has been seemingly booked week to week kind of stupid, so... I was expecting it, but it didn't happen. So, hooray, good for Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. I don't have to go through everybody. <laughs> it was a... I really enjoyed this match. This These first two matches, the ones that were announced beforehand, they were great. Even Charlotte Bailey wasn't actually that bad when I get to that one. Um, it's kind of the this, this stuff that comes next, which I can just lump together because I've been on already an hour. It's half past four. I need to get to sleep at some point. But yes... This was, these first two matches, 100% watch. And if you want to know why everybody is in the same in the way that they are, or if you yourself have watched The Fiend, and you kind of want to end, yeah, watch the main event, but everything else, really, maybe Charlotte Bailey is, uh, is a bit more, stands out a bit more if you don't watch the three or four matches that come next. But yeah, so I might as well kind of put them together. So the matches that were lumped on last second and we got this string of matches that like even though it's weird because these were all filler but they weren't like bad filler they were all actually pretty decent matches like every one of them in their own right it's just that I had no investment in the outcome at all for any of them I didn't care who won or whatever I was on my phone I was doing other things I used to have to go to the toilet or go have a snack or whatever it's like yeah because I didn't have any actual reason to care about these matches because they were thrown on last minute and they this is what really gave the show that feeling of a house show now you got your set matches and the ones in between are all filler you're here for those big matches that were announced beforehand not these ones it doesn't mean they're bad it just means you you're not invested that's not why you've tuned in you don't care and these being showcased didn't really change that because tonight was all about the two head in a cell matches and I guess Roman Reigns and his storyline with the beards people. <laughs> Roman Reigns has got a short beard. Uh, I don't think he counts as the beard people as well, though. Uh, but yes, Orton versus Ali was absolute filler. Uh, you cut out two of these three added matches and WWE would have had one awesome flowing card. Uh, but no, every pay-per-view has to be a four-hour mega show. Uh, this show was a perfect example as to why that simply is not true. And you look at a takeover. like you were compla- People complaining beforehand that the uh, like the show had only had four matches announced beforehand, and I was just like, what if it's just shorter? Like, like a takeover. They, four, like four or five, nowadays the takeover after like six matches, but like four or five card mat, uh, pay-per-view. Maybe they added one more, and he got a five-match five, card, five show. Like, that would have been really short, flowed really quickly, and it, because it is a lesser pay-per-view, it probably would have worked. You can make this pay-per-view the... Uh, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view where really the two main points are the two Hell in a Cell matches and the bits in between are just like a break between the Hell in a Cell matches without it feel like it's going on too long uh, that's kind of what I might have done it with but they've got this weird 
mantra where they have to do this and every pay-per-view has to be four hours. Luckily, this one wasn't. It was three and a half. Well, three hours, 15, which still was too long. But like, yeah, like an in-your-house pay-per-view from the 90s where you've got your main storylines and you kind of, you've got like five matches maybe and you blast through it because it is a lesser pay-per-view. Therefore, not every pay-per-view has to be a mega show. Especially when we've got Crown Jewel on the line. Uh, not we, but those of you who will watch this and Crown Jewel. Time-wise, that's quite a lot. And like a week or so later, you've got Full Gear for AW if you're someone like me watching everything. So, oh, it's mental. <laughs> uh, I will say it was an awesome RKA counter from Ali. Uh, pulling off a handstand to stop his head being driven into the mat. That was awesome. Uh, nice counters throughout, really. Uh, both lads are really brilliant at that counter-style wrestling. Uh, the second RKO was not to be stopped, though, and that gave Randall Orton the win. Uh, so, yeah. When I was watching this, uh, it looked like Randy Orton did not care. He could not give less of a shit that he was wrestling tonight. <laughs> but he did, that's what, it also felt like a house show because of that as well. Orton comes down and clearly doesn't care. And then he's meant to sell at the end that Ali was like, hmm, you're pretty good there, kid. Uh, but it also felt like it still he didn't really want to do it he didn't really care he was like uh, I guess I'll kind of mate uh. <laughs> it was a weird thing and it went on for ages uh, like they were really dragging out everything around this like they really dragged out both Orton's entrance and exit it's like yeah they were stretching to make this show as long as possible but again there was no, I don't understand why they have to I don't quite... They have to hit, like, a an hour's quota of content on the WWE Network, so they have to make the pay-per-views this long, where they themselves set that... Oh, I don't understand it. Uh, next up on the filler list was the Women's Tag Team Championships. At least this one has some form of relevancy because the titles changed hands. However, and again, it wasn't a bad match either, because, yeah, all four people doing this are pretty decent, and when on pay-per-view and given the opportunity to shine, they'll do it. But I still didn't really care. wasn't really that invested. There hasn't really been a build to this. It just kind of came out of nowhere. The t- title was changing hands. Was like, oh, that's a bit sudden, I guess. <laughs> like, good for them. Titles changed, I guess. But I don't, uh, I don't... I don't think I could be less invested in the outcomes of these late editions. And it doesn't really feel like WWE are that invested in these tag titles. So I'm not going to be either. So, yeah. But the poison mist out of nowhere, or green mist as Cole called it, because it's green. <laughs> oh, I made myself laugh. I don't think I'd get. I'd say that that weirdly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, that was a cool spot, and that being added to Asuka's arsenal, was like yeah, I'm all down for that. That's awesome. That's brilliant. But the Kabuki Warriors haven't really featured at all, and I was, and I was thinking, is this a sign that they will be featured more heavily in this new era? But then I was also thinking. Well, being champions doesn't guarantee that. Just look at the Iconics, who became champions and were, like, never featured. So, the fact they're champions doesn't really mean anything, especially when WWE seemingly don't really care about them, and they're kind of like a side thought. Uh, and the fact they were on Alexa Bliss probably really helped them, because they care about Alexa Bliss, but they maybe don't care about titles, but because Alexa Bliss cares about the titles, that uh, they had to care about the titles. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And now she doesn't have them, we'll see what happens. Uh, match number five on the filler list of Viking Raiders with question mark versus the OC. The question mark was Braun Strowman, which was hardly a fair pick, Eric. <laughs> Look at the size of the man. <laughs> AJ's got no chance. Uh, they defeated the OC, but it was via a disqualification. 
and they were going for a beatdown, which was a bad decision to try and do that on three massive lads. Uh, they faced the consequences, and Strowman went absolutely mental. And uh, then AJ Styles went for the phenomenal forearm, and Braun Strowman instead just straight up punched him, and he was knocked out out of it. Uh, AJ Styles did the funny kind of uh, kind of groggy. He's like, "No, I'm fine," and I'm falling over a little bit. Yes, I know some um, some people probably won't like the in the in the what we know about concussion kind of world. But he was doing cartoony loopy kind of thing, like similar to, I guess, Triple H after that Survivor Series where he was just celebrating and falling into the staging, which was hilarious. <laughs> so this reminded me more of that than them going, oh, look at this funny concussion storyline. It's like, no, the, he got knocked out and then he wakes up and like a cartoon character is just like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, I loved it. I thought it was great. But aside from that punch uh, and him sending that message to Tyson Fury and kind of hyping up one night raw... There wasn't really a point of this, and afterwards they just showed five minute recap of SmackDown, which <laughs> was weird. There was a twenty four seven bit at some point, but the, like when the five minute SmackDown thing started playing, I started just disappearing and doing other stuff. So yeah, the lots of pain post for this show wasn't going to make itself. <laughs> uh, match number six: uh, Chad Gable defeated King Corbin. Uh, so multiple things in this match. I'm really behind both guys. The King and Ring did a great job at establishing both of them. Uh, this is the perfect spot for me for King Corbin. Like the guy who's like, oh, SmackDown was really like again a perfect place for King Corbin. He's like, I'm the king. I'm awesome. I'm amazing. When in reality, he's a, it looks like a complete and utter knob. And The Rock lent into that perfectly. And like in terms of all the things from that to get over. Yeah, the STD chant, the super tough dude. <laughs> I would have bet the moon that that would not have gotten over. Like the crowd's chanting STD. I just, I was just like, no, that's too. It feels too forced. They're not going to buy that. They're not going to go for it. Uh, but but no, <laughs> the STD chant was really over. Uh, before the match, the uh, Corbin did a great job cutting a promo and just again coming, thinking he's really cool, but really just coming across like a knob. <laughs> um, Royally decreeing his opponent the name Shorty Gable, so yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a fun match, and it was it's one of those that where I would have enjoyed it more. Well, I have enjoyed it more already in the past, and again, this was added last second, so I don't really care. And Chad Gable got the win, which makes you care a little bit, and they did the, the angle afterwards, so it's kind of like, well, long term, this is going to continue, so that's perfectly fine. It's just there was no build really to it. And Corbin didn't integrate with Gable at all this week, unless I'm forgetting Monday Night Raw, which is going to happen because it was a while ago. So much has happened happened since Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I did say earlier, he has that feeling of, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That happened. Yeah, they had the they had the cool new slide. Yeah, so yeah, there was Rad Man, Rad, rad Slope. <laughs> um, yeah, so the crowd chanted STD, which has gotten over, and Chad Gable got the surprise victory. But when every single Chad Gable victory is put over as a major upset, surely they can't all be upsets if he keeps winning? Like, that's how win-losses work. When you start building a record of a pretty good win-loss record, then it stops being an upset. (laughs) And Chad Gable's got a pretty good win-loss record as of late. Advancing to the finals of the King of the Ring and now besting Corbin here. He's got a pretty good record. He's lost to Corbin twice, but he's won, what, five? Five or six? He's like five or six to two in this past month or so. So, yeah. How can every single victory be painted as an upset because he's small? Let me try it again. 
it's because he's small. <laughs> which is it? I think he's like five foot eight. Which, to be fair, in normal human world, isn't particularly small. It's not particularly big, but I guess he's just below average. So he's. But you wouldn't go. Huh, you're you're mini. You are like no. He's like just below average. It's not that weird. So yeah, <sighs> yeah. That's my favorite thing about that. It's like, it's not even that sure in real people terms, but in giant WWE land, oh, this average person. Oh, what is he? Oh. Oh. Um, also, Greg Hamilton announced him after the match as Shorty Gable when he won. Uh, which means, oh no, it's an actual thing, and the dirt sheets weren't just spreading nonsense that wasn't true. Shorty G is happening. Brace, everybody. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, please don't, Don. Shorty G screams crappy, like, rapper gear as well. It's just something about it. It's just... As in, it's so uncool. That's why I was thinking, like, dressing up like John Cena in 2003. As in, Gable called Shorty G doing stuff like that. Oh, it's oh yeah, like what happened to Jesse from uh, Jesse from Jesse Festus, where he entered a rapper gimmick, and it was like so uncool. <laughs> it's like yeah, same thing here, please. No, stay away from it. Just Chad Gable, like uh, don't understand it. <laughs> anyway, next up is the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte, well, really, this is the last one now. Uh, Charlotte Flair defeating Bailey to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, but before it started, we got our second bit of 24-7 silliness of the night. Uh, hooray! Well, now we cue the crowd getting back from funny to serious whilst the wrestlers in the ring have to sell how funny that silly thing was as Hamilton introduces the title match competitors. Oh, great. <laughs> I will say it was nice seeing Funaki do the whoa <laughs> kind of thing and our truth back down. was like, oh, wait, no, you actually know, know that stuff. I'm going to I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Uh, but it's also really weird in terms of you're spinning so many plates that sometimes it feels chaotic you don't know where to put stuff and things accidentally have negative effects on other bits that was this here where but you can put that in front of any other of the past four matches and I'd be fine with it <laughs> but this match because it's a women's championship match it took away the importance immediately and it took the crown it took me like a little while to get into it uh, Flair and Bailey were both actually really smart with the kind of taunting each other's slower start, like realising the crowd needed a minute to get back into the match. Which again, that's not their fault. That's the... Whoever booked the show, it's their fault. <laughs> it does the order. Mm. Silence for the dry throat boy. Man, silence for the dry throat man. <laughs> um, yeah, so 24-7 was air. But also, the crowd for the majority of this match were really quiet. They've just essentially had two hours of filler. They are tired. They just want the main event and then they can go home. So I kind of... When the main event came around, they were already a little bit agitated, but it's one of those where they were a little bit agitated, but they, it was worth it because they were excited for the main event. They came to see The Fiend. They've got past all of that stuff, like a Royal Rumble, where if the card before the Rumble isn't particularly great, often it doesn't really matter because you came for the Rumble anyway. Similar feelings here. Like, they came for the cell matches. First one had delivered... Then it was a run of mediocre filler, but it was the Hell in a Cell matches that mattered, and that's going to be the, that's going to be the takeaway from this show is the both Hell in a Cell matches. I feel like the main event's going to overshadow more, but that is that is a takeaway. So really, these matches in between don't really matter, but it adds to the crowd when Hell in a Cell happens. But this match, uh, they were really quiet for it, like they were fatiguing somewhat. Again, they're just waiting for the main event. 
like this was a three match card with two hours of fill in between. Uh, the match really wasn't that bad though. <laughs> like they were really smooth together, like we've come to expect from the horsewomen matches, and like the momentum swung really nicely. It was, a, it was a fun, entertaining story where, if not watched at the end of the two hours of filler, yeah, I'd be fine with it. That's what I'm saying. But, like takeover style, this match probably would have worked on the card, and I would have had a lot more to say about it. Yeah, but Charlotte Flair, uh, she hit the natural selection, and I can't remember how she got into hitting the selection but she did it anyway and then locked in the figure 8 and Bailey's in the ring she can't reach the ropes she's too central she's properly locked in she can't really wriggle she tries for a few seconds to figure out something and she's like oh, you've got me I tap so uh, poor poor Bailey. <laughs> anyway uh, I like it's one of those things that WWE don't really get over but a sport like UFC does with the thing of when you tap you are essentially saying you have beaten me, you've got me here. If this was a proper fight, you would have, like, essentially killed me in a way. Like, I, I seed the defeat, essentially. You have, you have well and truly beaten me. There's no way out of this. Do we don't really get that across with the, what the submissions are? Especially with Natalia's weird, but like, <laughs> running her matches where she'll hit the sharpshooter out of nowhere. <laughs> Just no work on it. And then, this is my finishing move. Ah! And they will tap out. It's like, ah, oh. I mean, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Charlotte is now a 10-time champion. A 10-time champion. Damn Charlotte. A 10-time champion in four years. Can't you hold on to it for longer than a week? <laughs> That's insane to reach 10 in such a short amount of time. She must be a rubbish champion. <laughs> Just cannot. She cannot hold that title at all. Uh, also, Paul Bailey. Uh, her reign led to nothing, so Charlotte was on top for the Fox time. Hmm. So, uh, I will say at least they gave something to Bailey afterwards, but it more really felt like another drawn-out post-match bit, as WWE do their best to break three hours, just stretching out all of the post-matches. Every match gets a video package, every match gets the heels' reaction, or, or, the, or one of the competitors' reactions after the match for like a full three minutes, like properly dragging this out. So, yeah, it didn't... No, especially compared to WWE's normal lightning pace, the stretching out felt so evident. Uh, especially uh, again, it was because this was the end of the two hours, and now we're just waiting for the main event. So it's got to that point. Uh, then after this, we got Gable uh, with his uh, victorious interview with Hey Kayla, uh, only to get attacked by Baron Corbin backstage after he walks off gleefully. Uh, no look for short people in WWE because. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, how could a short person... Well, uh, ridiculous. People don't like short people. Oh. Yeah. It works really well with Corbin, though, as in he's the kind of person who would really get annoyed at the fact he's shorter when people like me are just like, yeah, it's not really a issue. It's like, he's, a, he's an amazingly talented wrestler. That's where, where he is, where he is. And that's how he beat Baron Corbin. I just realised I didn't talk about the match <laughs> with that one. <coughs> uh, I really enjoyed Tag Game with King Corbin when I was paying attention to it. Because the fatigue was real at that point. But yeah, those two are really good together. So, again, would never recommend you have to watch it because it doesn't really mean anything long term. But it's nice. This is where the shorty G starts, though. So if you care about that, <laughs> yes, where it begins. <sighs> but yes, uh, and that's really the last thing. After that, it was on to the main event. And the tone immediately changed into... Like just like yes, this is the thing I care about, kind of thing. As soon as the video package started, it's just like this is so leaps and bounds 
over uh, better than everything we've seen for the past two hours. Like after Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan had their victory and they did the hook it out thing, which is a little bit interesting. I didn't talk about that, <laughs> but yeah, they had that moment, and then after after that match went off, this pay per view was a hundred percent skippable. There was no need to watch any of it. Um, tune back in for the women's SmackDown match, I guess, because title changes hands, and again, women's tag title if you care. WWE don't really. But as soon as this video package started playing, just like, yes, I am so up for this. The Fiend's been built up so well. And it ended in booze and AEW chance. They couldn't have booked it worse. They couldn't have been more blind. The, f- the fact I was lost for words in the most negative way. I wasn't lost for words because it was something awesome. Whatever, I was lost for words because I couldn't believe they'd actually done it. When I say couldn't believe, I mean that I still I'm still struggling for the words because I don't I don't know what they were thinking. Like they were going for something, but why would they go for that? And the mistakes have already been made up to this point. They keep making mistakes, as one of you very kindly said in the chat. They keep making mistakes, and tonight was we didn't know they were this is one of those occasions where we didn't know they were making mistakes because we just assumed they were going to pull the trigger on the fiend they were going to make him a star uh, but no turns out they didn't didn't want to take the title off Seth Rollins so before this show mistakes had already continuously been made in the sense that they'd booked this match continued to get the fiend extremely over started to have Monday Night Raw slowly become fiended I guess in a way <laughs> like start to get affected by the fiend and so like all Monday Night Raw slowly changing like giving you that impression that after heading a cell things are going to start changing and people were so excited to see the fiend like as this dominant force on top it was like so it would be something so different, especially as Monday Night Raw's been kicking off with recap Rollins, not depending on what happened last week at all. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if he got choked out by the Fiend and was unconscious. He's going to come out Monday Night Raw and give you a recap, and not do it super convincingly. <laughs> so that's what I'm expecting tomorrow. By the way, even though Seth Rollins was left bloody uh, by the Fiend, properly choking him out, the Monday Night Raw is probably going to start with Seth Rollins. Saying, "Oh, I, I feel awful. I got attacked last night by the fiend." It's like, yeah, it's this. It's the show don't tell rule where WWE fall into a thing where they might have him limp a little bit, but it's mostly just he's telling you how he is. Apart from over you seeing it, so I oh, don't. It's it's weird, weird production thing. Ugh. But overall, Hell in a Cell, the first two matches were brilliant. A hundred percent, watch it. The after that, all the way to the main event, 100%, you can perfectly skip it. Perfectly, It's perfectly fine. If you know the results, then you can move on. The matches aren't really worth watching. Uh, I might have to... Bailey Charlotte, that one I'm not too sure on because of the amount of filler and the fact we're ready for the main event. Maybe it's better than I'm picturing it now at almost 5am. But then also, with uh, the main event, they messed it up so badly that this is the closest I've ever become, uh, I've ever have been, in just fully discarding the company. As in, they've shown me once again that I should not get invested in their characters and they're calling me stupid for doing so. So why on earth am I doing it? So, yeah. But I will continue to pump out my columns for now. I've put the time in. (laughs) I don't want to shut down that much. Anyway, um, 
that was a negative I feel like I've just ended on a negative note I wanted to be a bit more positive I was joking about for this second half of the show but like it's the perfect tone that matches what happened on this show this is a big week with more eyes on them than ever for quite a long time and they've mucked it up and there's no one else to blame but themselves no sympathies at all like none if people if their numbers are down next week I'm not really sure how many people like are like us <laughs> get and get that angry over it, but it's their own fault and there are zero sympathies. And even the big, like my guest from last week, uh, Ray Cash over on Cheshire Radio, he's live currently. Um, so if, if he's probably still talking by when I finish because he's got a co-host with him, so you can jump over there once I'm done. <laughs> but with um, uh, even he is normally somebody who is he'll he'll critique, but he'll really he'll. It'll be a WWE more positive kind of outlook. It'll look way more positive on that promotion. Even he <laughs> is like, no, this is bad. This is awful. It doesn't matter what they were trying to do. They didn't do it. And that's kind of my sentiment. I saw a few of his tweets. I was counting down to going live thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I've got nothing. <laughs> With uh, and I've gone on for an hour and 20 minutes now. So I've done a decent job, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah. When somebody who is normally does his best to, I guess, be devil's advocate and stick and be positive about WWE, even he was just like, it doesn't matter. And that's the kind of point uh, I want to end the show on. It doesn't matter what WWE were trying to do. What they actually did was give free promotion to their competition. They were awful. It was awful. It was bad. There's no other way to put it. We were directly called stupid for caring about and getting invested in a character for the second time in three days so if you are still invested in WWE all I can ask is why when they tell you again and again and again that you will be punished for caring about anything and that time will come for every one of their characters in this current generation where something will happen and you're like and the message is why did you care about that person (sighs) anyway I am back here on Thursday in Laws of Pain Radio with my own show I'll be talking about I guess the week that's happened up to that point Maybe the rant will still be in me. We'll see. You know, the week after that, I'm talking some New Japan, so I get a full break from it. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see what happens. But maybe I'll be hyped by AW and NXT, the two shows I'm generally excited for still. Uh, please do check out the other shows here on Laws of Pain Radio, though. Uh, Monday, tomorrow, we've got, or today for me, we've got Kingdom of Honor with Jamman and his friend Jeff talking about Ring of Honor and New Japan. I know Jeff, though, does watch some WWE, so maybe you'll be getting a rant on there as well. Uh, Tuesdays is the Global Revolution talk about the wider wrestling world. Uh, Wednesdays is planned sports entertainment is dead. Talking about uh, wrestling in terms of like the performance. Uh, however, the format of the show is changing this week, and they've all. Uh, this I know next week's already been recorded, so don't expect him to go off on the, this. Uh, plan has written off WWE. He's already gone, <laughs> so he's one of the list. So. Yes, sports entertainment is uh, dead. New format starting this week where he's got a guest every single week talking about all sorts of wrestling matters. Uh, Thursdays you've got me with Imps and Radio Adventure. Uh, Fridays is Right Side of the Pond with Mav Plan and Mazza. And Saturdays is normally reserved for our AEW stuff. So be that All About All Elite, our show which is currently on hiatus, or be that uh, AEW Aftershock Live after Big Views. With that, I am going to bed and I'm going to sleep this off <laughs> honestly that first 40 minutes where I just got it off my chest that was uh, what's the word but yeah 
<laughs> I'm tired. I can't think of the word. Oh, it it feels good. It feels a lot better that I've got it out there. I don't know what. To, I'm betting Twitter's not in a good place. I've not been looking because I've been live and I don't have a guest, so I can't just go over and maybe do promotion or anything. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, do tell me what you think. Even if you're, you hit me on Twitter at the Damien Pacat, or if you go onto the Laws of Pain post for this, uh, my columns go up every Saturday as well. So if you want to check that out, again, loads of the one from this week is already up. Uh, I put loads of effort into it, so it'd be awesome if even if you just clicked on an emoji, any emoji doesn't matter. Engagement's cool, even if it's an angry face. So <laughs> if you want to vent by clicking on an angry face, <laughs> you can do that as well. Uh, also, with the chat function, it works even if it's not live. So if you do feel the need to vent. Just get it out there. There's no word limit. And with that, I bid you adieu. Uh, um, yeah, I, I do not know what to say about this. I don't know how they're going to fix it. But again, they've had a better track record of fixing it after the fact, but they'll they keep breaking it. So that's a good state. Anyway, I'll bid you adieu. And with that, I say goodnight. I've done my goodbye order incorrectly. I'm tired, who cares? <laughs> anyway, goodnight. Thank you for listening and everybody who's messaged me, whatever. Right. Adios.